We're doing a series on God. It's quite a good idea in church, isn't it? But we live in a society, don't we, in which lots of people say they believe in a God. But once we get talking with each other, we realize that what we mean by God actually may be very different. And so we thought, (laughs) very naively, for three weeks we'd get it all sorted. Uh, But we're going to look very simply over these three weeks at God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the way the Bible describes God. And today, we're focusing on the Holy Spirit, flipping it around a little bit. And so to do so, we're going to read from the book of John, Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit. So they're going to come up on the screen, uh, and uh, if you've got your Bibles, you want to follow John chapter 14, but I'm going to read them to us. This is Jesus talking, and the context is Jesus has been with his disciples, and he's just dropped the bombshell that he's about to die, and they are frankly terrified. Their master has said, I'm now going to go. And they're going to scared. They're going to be on their own. How on earth are they going to cope? What's going to happen? Ah! In that context, Jesus says these words. John chapter 14. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you'll realize that I'm in my Father. You are in me and I'm in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And then verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We're going to pray together uh, as we begin. So can I invite you to stand if you're able to? And if we could have on the screen the prayer, the opening prayer. And uh, we're simply going to pray, uh, if we could have my my slides please. And then uh, we're going to pray these words together out loud. It's a prayer simply asking that God would reveal himself to us by his spirit. And if you're here, you'd call yourself a Christian. This may be a straightforward prayer to pray. If you're here, you're not sure whether you'd call yourself a Christian or you're not sure what that looks like. You might want to have a quick scan down the words. It's simply asking that God would make himself known to us. So let's be still. And then we're going to pray this prayer together out loud. So we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come and reveal yourself today. I want to know you more than I have ever known you before. Change my life as I seek to learn more about you. Please reveal yourself to me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Please do sit down.
Someone once said that trying to describe God was like trying to empty the ocean with a thimble. You can't do it, and the more you try, the bigger the task seems. So how do you describe something or someone that is indescribable? God. How do you do it in 20 minutes or three weeks? Turn to the person next to you and choose one word that you would use to describe God. Whether or not you believe in God, whether or not you're a regular at church, just choose one word that comes to mind when you think of God. Go for it. Okay, carry those on later on. Some of you have clearly got it sorted. It's very quick, very brief. There will be perspectives over these three weeks, aspects of who God is that we can't mention. There will be things that you may hold dear about who God is that we don't dwell upon. And certainly this morning as we think about the Holy Spirit, there will be aspects of the Holy Spirit's work and who he is that we just don't talk about. But from Jesus' words, I think there's seven brief things, seven brief things that I think are worth thinking about. And if you like, a good summary is this verse that we're going to keep on the screen that Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. We're going to keep that on the screen. And if you're somebody that sort of, you know, dips in and out of talks and you get a bit bored of my voice, totally understandable, focus on this verse. Think about the words. What does this mean? What does this mean tomorrow morning? How might this impact my circumstances, the things that are going around my brain? What does this mean if Jesus says this to you today? So, seven things, seven aspects of the Holy Spirit, very briefly. And the first is this. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. It might seem an obvious point to say. It might seem a bit silly to begin with that. After all, this series is about God. But perhaps this is the most important. Jesus is basically saying to his followers, I'm about to go. I will be with you. And you look at how he describes the Holy Spirit, verse 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He. The Holy Spirit is a person, not some sort of vague ethereal it. And therefore it's important to say that God doesn't use the Holy Spirit to work in the world. The Holy Spirit is God at work in the world. In verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Wow. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. He is the Spirit of Christ with us. And why is that so important as the first thing for us to recognize? Well, it's so important in our culture because there are many people who say, I believe in God. But many people have an idea of God as this sort of distant unrelational force or power, this sort of deity that we have to appease up here, distant, not at work in the world, whereas here the Holy Spirit is God. God is at work in the world. He is at work. We have God with us. 
Right now in this city, God is at work by his spirit, speaking to people, working in people's lives. And because the Holy Spirit is God, secondly then, the Holy Spirit is neither weird nor optional. Why? Because he's God. (laughs) I remember in a previous church, leave it at that, somebody who was a passionate follower of Jesus discussing with her one day, and she said these words, and I quote them. I get Jesus, but I don't want any of that Holy Spirit. That's just weird. It might not surprise you that I don't think that's the Bible's perspective. (laughs) And I guess that some of us here have experiences of maybe some churches or some Christians who've emphasized some aspects of the Holy Spirit's work uh, and not others and have led to an unhelpful emphasis that has caused you concern, that has meant, if you're honest, whilst you might not say this, you do deep down think, I get Jesus, but I'm not sure about the Holy Spirit. And so kind of hold him at length a little bit. And if we're honest, we can live a sort of functional life not recognizing the Holy Spirit or not depending on him. And if that's you, deep down, if you know there's elements of that, maybe you're an uber-rationalist. Or maybe you're somebody that has just been burnt in the past. If that's you, and totally understandable for very understandable reasons. But I want to suggest it's a bit like children at Christmas. I love kids at Christmas where you, know, you have some presents that are really fun toys and some are like socks. And I love children because they're really honest and they get the socks and they're, they don't even say thank you. They put them down and open the next, where's the, where's the next Lego? And we're a bit like that, can't we? Yeah, I get the gifts, yeah, but let's on to the fun stuff. The bit I get, the bit I want. Rather than actually recognizing if the Holy Spirit is God, he is not optional, he is God. And therefore, the way we understand God is the way we would understand the Spirit. Thirdly, therefore, because he's God, because he's neither weird nor optional, the Holy Spirit is with us. Did you see that, what Jesus said? Jesus said, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Mother Teresa once said that the biggest problem in the world is not starvation, it's loneliness. Being on our own can be a painful thing, can't it? I remember being a child going to the shops with my mum in the supermarket and following her along and kind of looking at the aisles and then suddenly she turned a corner and I looked up and she was gone. And these tall aisles and I was looking around and I felt so alone in this this lonely world. Where was mum? And you begin to cry and then you turn the corner. Oh, there she is. (laughs) Or you might even grab the wrong person's leg or whatever, which I did once feel so lonely. But here, what does Jesus say? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. As Rico Tice says, the presence of the Holy Spirit is God himself saying, you're one of the family with us. He's literally Christ with us. In us, says Jesus. Inhabiting us, empowering us. God, not distant, in us and with us if we're a follower of Jesus. How that is very different from some people's perspective of God. 
This distant force that we need to percolate who's not at work in the world and we just have to be good enough to kind of appease. Holy Spirit with us, in us. But because of that, because of those things, he's God, he's not optional, he's with us. Do you notice what Jesus said, verse 17? But you know him. And that's not just kind of know in our heads. It's a bit like how the Bible talks about Adam knew Eve. Which when I first discovered what that meant, ooh. In other words, fourthly, the Holy Spirit is experiential. Not just kind of head stuff. We will see him and know him, says Jesus. There's a great story in Acts. The book of Acts, the church is all exploding. Uh, disciples are going, doing amazing things, of crazy stuff happening. Lots of people becoming followers of Jesus. And we read these words in Acts chapter 19, where Paul turns to a city called Ephesus. He turns up, and there's people who've become followers of Christ there. And he says, ask this question, fascinating question. Paul found the disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's an interesting question, isn't it? And regardless of what we think about that, and many, many books have been written about, many denominations have been based on that verse, what is really obvious is, well, how do you know? Paul doesn't say, did you intellectually recognize that you received the Holy Spirit? No, did you receive it? And they would kind of say, well, no, or yes. In other words, you would know. There's an experience about the Holy Spirit. An expectation of experience, which is why some people are Jesus' words, some people will reject the Holy Spirit. Don't quite get him. But can I therefore say there will be some of us in this room, if we're honest, have been a little bit, I'm not quite sure. Or some of us deep down just need to know that God is for us, that his spirit is within us. Or as I was preparing for this morning, I had a sense that some of us this morning need to hear God by his spirit saying to us, I've got this. I've got this. And it may be you right now, as it were, deep down in your gut, you get that that is God saying, yeah, I've got this. Maybe as we respond a bit later on, there's an opportunity for you to ask, Lord, would you help me to know you're close? So therefore, how does the Holy Spirit work in us? What does he do? Well, fifthly, the Holy Spirit helps us. I don't know if you heard a story a few years ago about a guy named Jim O'Neill. Jim O'Neill needed a little bit of help one day whilst he was out flying his little Cessna plane. He's a 65-year-old man, and whilst he was flying alone, he suffered a stroke and lost his sight. I've never flown a plane, but I guess that's not a good thing, to be flying a plane without sight and having had a stroke. Understandably, he sent a mayday signal. They tried to help him. The air traffic controllers tried to help him, kind of from the land, as it were, telling him what to do, but it didn't work. 
In the end, what happened is remarkable, but it's also a really helpful illustration. The RAF sent a fighter jet. Wing commander Paul Gerard came up and flew alongside the Cessna, 50 meters from his wing, which is not very far at all. And it enabled Wing Commander Paul Gerard to look at Jim O'Neill and basically guide him because he was with him. Left, right, or whatever, plane controls are like. Pull up, pull down, those kind of things. Every little nuance, careful, here comes the land, whatever. And eventually enabled him to bring him down at RAF Lincoln on Ooze. An amazing situation. But what Jim O'Neill needed was not somebody telling him what to do. He needed somebody with him, helping him, alongside him. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us. How does he do that? Well, several different things. He, he pleads for us. Do you see the word advocate? Stands for us, stands on our behalf, stands with us. Some of us will have needed an advocate, whether it be on a legal basis, somebody who's an expert in the law to please our, to plead our defense. Some of us will have needed an advocate in a health sense, a doctor standing up and saying, hang on, whoa, 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 have you done this? Some of us in relationships, some of us in other circumstances will have needed somebody who literally stands on our behalf. That's what the Holy Spirit does, pleading, interceding for us. How else? He teaches us, says Jesus, pointing us to God's commands, how we might live, guiding us. He gives us peace, as that verse says, that peace that passes understanding. But he also makes us aware of our need. John 16 makes it so clear that the Holy Spirit will convict the world, Jesus says. And therefore, if you're here this morning, you're deeply aware of your need, of your sin, of how messed up your life is, of your deep weakness, then maybe, just maybe, God is at work in you in a way you've never known. We tend to think that God is at work when all things are rosy and life seems brilliant. Great, hasn't God blessed me? Maybe, just maybe, when we're deeply aware of our profound need, God is closer than we realize. That was certainly true of my, my life. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I became a Christian when I was young, uh, in a great church. But deep down, fundamentally, I believed that Christianity was all about me being good, me living for God. It was all about me, what I did. And as if I messed up, boom, he was going to zap me. And it was only when I was at university and I began going on a bit of a bender <laughs> with my life that I became deeply aware of how broken I was, how sinful I was, and how needy I was. And it was only then, as I recognized my own sin and weakness, that I realized that God was for me. That's how the Holy Spirit helps us, convicting us, pointing us to God's great love. He changes us, which is why we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We tend to think about the fruit of the Spirit as about things we need to do, be more loving, be more joyful, and so on. But it's the fruit of the Spirit. He empowers us with gifts to live for him. That's how he helps us. But sixthly, as we come into land, sixthly, the Holy Spirit is permanent, not temporary. Do you see what Jesus said? 
He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Forever. Jesus wouldn't be with those disciples. But the Holy Spirit is, which therefore means tomorrow morning, whatever you're going through, whether you're in a business meeting tomorrow morning, you've got a hospital appointment, you're worried about the kids, or you're worried about this certain relationship, you're not sure what life's going to be doing, the Holy Spirit is with you if you're a follower of Christ, with you, wherever you go, whatever you do, with you and in you forever. That is great news. You do not go alone. And therefore, seventhly, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Jesus said these words in John 15. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Why all of this? When we realize our deep need, because God the Holy Spirit has been at work in our lives. When we realize how close he is, when we realize the help we need and how he helps us, all of this, he points us to Jesus. The one who stands on a cross, giving it all for us, paying our price, and then shattering death so that even in grief, there is hope. The Spirit points us to Christ. And therefore, we can be lifted because it's not about how bad a failure we are. It's actually all about him. We stand, he stands in our place.